Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. And with me today in my lounge, which is sort of a roving podcast location, is Mr. Seen Through Glass. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> In your very, very nice lounge. I wouldn't move from here. I think it's delightful this, space. Um, this sofa is, is very cleverly angled for the camera. You can't see the holes in it. <laughs> it's, um, it's the think, next thing on the list to be replaced after, obviously, a set of slicks. Yeah, I, I think I fell through one of those holes as I sat down. <laughs> I just didn't say anything. I just carried on like normal. So, Sam, can you sort of give a little explanation of like who you are and what you do? Oh, I wish I knew. Yes, Sam from Seen Through Glass. So Seen Through Glass is a sort of, I guess, a YouTube channel or platform that I set up uh, about four years ago now to celebrate my love, well, uh, to be honest, of motorsport, but but that became of road cars. Um, <laughs> because no one likes motorsport. <laughs> no one likes motorsport. Quite hard to film and quite hard to get access to. But yeah, it, it, it's it's become my life, very strangely. It wasn't it wasn't a plan, but I now yeah run this this channel, which is kind of a rip off of Top Gear. Let's let's face it, it's a bad version of Top Gear. It's kind of life with cars, adventures, road trips, silly challenges. I try not to be too journalistic because you know that's not what I was aiming to be. And yeah, high high performance cars. I would I would say that's it's a good niche. Yeah, well, it's a great fun niche. Sometimes it can be a bit too niche and a bit unrealistic. But uh, no, I, I think I've summarised what I do. But yeah, that's me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you. YouTube social media guy. You oh. also have a podcast. I have a podcast as well, which is great, called Behind the Glass. So uh, what, let's what, get that in there. Why, is, why are you called Seen Through Glass? So this, way back in the day when I sort of decided I wanted to do this whole social media thing, I was inspired by motorbike vloggers, moto vloggers. And they used to do everything point of view. They used to put a camera on the side of their helmet, ride around town or wherever they were, and just 
talk about the things they saw. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. Why don't I get Google Glass, mm. walk down the street, and if I see something cool, I'll be like, okay, Google, film that Aventador. So I went, <laughs> let's go scene through Google Glass. Thought I'd, you know, didn't want to give Google that promotion, so cut them out of it, scene through Glass, and looked into Google Glass. And it was like a thousand pounds and apparently crap. So I was like, oh. Sign me up. Yeah. I was like, I really screwed myself over here because I've done all the branding, got all the different social media handles. So I thought, screw it. I can do a play on that and it will be seen through the, the glass windscreen of my car or the glass in the camera lens. And uh, yeah, it's it works. It, it works on that side. Yeah. yeah, it totally works. So, so that kind of became my thing. And Google Glass, unfortunately, was never a part of the channel. And then behind the glass uh, is a sort of yeah, a play on that, taking you behind the scenes of the channel via podcast <laughs> format. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So how long, I mean, how long have you been doing this crack for now? I always forget because time flies when you're having fun, Sam. Um, <laughs> he says through. We'll see in two hours. <laughs> exactly. I think four or five years. I think this is my fifth year. I started a frustrating time like in October or November, so it's quite hard to track the years as they fly by. But I think this is my fifth year now. Yeah, um, I mean, really difficult to track. <laughs> I'm not good at maths or dates. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to say that this is my fifth year of doing it. So yeah, it's been a considerable amount of time. Every year, I would like to say every year is different, but that's that's a lie. There's a repetitive formula to YouTube uh, in the sense of wake up, make video, edit, go to sleep. So it does become a bit of a blur. But, but no, there's been lots of nice, fun things. Channels kept growing, which has always been pleasant and has brought me, brought me here to, yeah, a sort of a whole new era in what I'm doing online now. And yeah, it's good fun yeah totally uh, how has it changed oh from when you started oh man we're going to talk about the glory days uh, <laughs> i used changed. to post a video and it get a million views yeah. oh, i used to just be able to post and enjoy it uh <laughs> it's changed so much i mean when i when i first started the channel in terms of europe let's forget america for a second because that is a different beast automotive social media there was only shmi and Supercars London were the only two people vlogging about cars. There were plenty of automotive channels out there. Eva, of course, Chris Harris on cars. I think uh, Harry was Harry Metcalf was doing his Harry's Garage for Eva and stuff like that. So there was there was plenty of stuff out there. But the only people I think vlogging. Yeah, it was all very official. Yeah, very official. The only people vlogging were Shmi and Supercars London. At the time, a young man called Seb Delaney, uh, who was about twelve and is now fifteen, was doing stuff, but he was Shmi's cameraman. He so was. he was in the sort of Shmi 150 family, but but he did have his own presence as well. So you could maybe say that he was on the, on the, what would you call it? The outside edge. No, what's it called? Fringe. Thank you. On the fringe. There we go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so when I began, that was it. And it was a sort of really sweet time where you really could do anything. There was no set criteria as to what a YouTube channel should be or could be, especially within the automotive space. Everything new, everything exciting. And I came at it from a, as being a fan of YouTube. I wasn't necessarily a fan of, of road cars that much. I, I did like road cars, but I wasn't like a nerd. I wasn't someone who's like, I really want to drive everything and I want to make <laughs> content. I just wanted to make YouTube videos. And I was watching a lot of like Zoella, because I really okay. like girls' makeup, uh, <laughs> and Joe Sugg, and all these big-time UK YouTubers, Casper Lee, who at the time were being sort of celebrated in this like new era, this new generation of online creators. So that's what I was watching, and through work, I was actually working with these people. And I thought, how can I bring a bit of that 
but make it about automotive because I'm not into girls' makeup <laughs> at all, pranks with my mates and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought, let's try and do so. So my channel really started doing these big YouTube themes around cars. I did a, a yoga challenge with my Alpha 4C. Okay. Because this was blowing up at the time. It's like everyone was doing these couples' yoga challenges. And I was like, well, I don't have a girlfriend. How can right I get now. on this hype train? How can I get on this hype train? How can I use this hashtag for views? <laughs> I know what. I'll do yoga with my 4C. Uh, as you can imagine, it kind of bombed. Uh, <laughs> but looking back now, I think it's got like 70K views and some positive comments. So maybe I was, you know, maybe I should have looked into that. That's a nice little learner there, yeah. That's a nice little learner. So yeah, so, so that was the start freedom complete freedom fun no pressure any content goes experiment be creative have fun with it and because there was no pressure it didn't matter if a video got 10k views or 50k views that was that's that is a ton of views oh it's a ton of views and don't get me wrong it was really nice when they got big views but but you were just making content and having fun and enjoying it and It helped that for the first year I was doing it alongside my job. So it wasn't, there was no financial pressure. But even when I switched and took it on full time, it was still excitingly open and new. And I think by that point... Maybe one person had wrapped a car by that point. Yeah, maybe one. But even still, it was so exciting when you wrapped a car. You could just keep going. Like That format wasn't dead. And so, you know, we banded together. We were the sort of, you know, the, the merry band of brothers with Shmi, Supercars of London, myself, Seb Delaney, you know, kind of branched out by himself. And it wasn't too long before Mr. JWW joined the sort of clan. And it was a really rich and exciting time. I think the audience were enthused. And it was just, yeah, as I say, fun. I would say now there is still a huge amount of fun to be had, but it is hugely more competitive, a lot more stressful, there is a huge amount of content out there to the point where I would say too much content. Yeah. So you're constantly battling the sort of, well, been there and done that from your own creative motivational point of view, but also for the audience. You know, they've seen it all. So why are they coming to your channel? What are they going to want to see? Why are they going to want to watch you? And that's that takes away some of that enjoyment and that freedom that like oh I'll just make the video and who cares like it gets yeah. 5k views because now I'm like oh if I go on fire I'm gonna have to sell all my cars and oh my god my, <laughs> my mortgage is gonna go I'm like, oh. so it's a very different space but would I rather be doing anything else probably not I'm still loving it it still gets me up out of bed and I'm like I cannot wait for today it's just a completely different beast to when I started do you have lots of friends not in the social media industry thank god i do uh i don't see them very much i'll be honest i'm a very bad friend one thing which well you know but a lot of people will know about me is i'm appalling at like contact like whatsapp emails like i just i'm really bad and lenny the geezer actually uh so that i should prelude that with a friend of mine who's also on social media uh, called lenny called lenny has a screenshot of a time it took me two months to reply to a message from him and it wasn't like he was like hey mate can i come on your channel and get views it was like hey buddy how are you (laughs) two months later i was like oh hey dude sorry i missed this like i'm good how are you so i'm really bad at that so i do luckily have lots of friends who remind me that i'm an absolute idiot and my posing on Instagram is horrific uh, and keeps me grounded. But I, I am bad at keeping in touch with them because it's it's a full-time job and it's pretty exhausting, the social media game. So you end up spending a lot of time around people in the space. Yeah, I find it, I, I find it unbelievably difficult to stay in contact with people when I'm not at home. So if I'm at home, I generally, and I'm just, sometimes I just can't be bothered, but like I reply to people and like engage and whatever. As soon as I'm on holiday or abroad or on a trip or a weekend or whatever, whether it's like the snow tour that we were on recently, like 
I'm basically uncontactable because I'm sort of in that moment and I'm enjoying it and everything else just like, I'm really tired. I've got stuff to do. A random conversation with someone else on the other side of the world, like, I th- just doesn't happen. It's like that, you know, Vietnam vets. It's like, you weren't there, bro. <laughs> but that's how it feels because you're so right, you know. And I think it's the same for anyone who's, you know, just going on holiday with their yeah. mates or, or whatever it might be. It's hard to engage with people, you know, in a completely different situation and, and space. But but I think it is important from, you know, let's touch on mental health quickly. Uh, you know, this social media game is very all-consuming and you can be very blinkered and you can end up being on your phone 24-7, staring at other people's lives and forgetting about your own. And I, I think it is important. So I do try and force myself and my better half, my my girlfriend is is very good at saying, you know, just hey, reply to that person or we should go for drinks with that person. We should have coffee because you need that just to step away. Otherwise, we're all going to sit here and just nerd out about Ferrari F355s. Yeah. And you know, I mean, <laughs> we don't need that all the time. It's fun sometimes. But. And guys are, I'd say, are pretty useless universally at staying in touch with their mates. Yeah. Like, so unless I, it's literally planned and we have to be, at the, you know, I'm at Geneva and I see pretty my friends. I'm used to that, which is amazing. My girlfriend just like organizes stuff. I'm like, we're going to see so-and-so. I'm like, this is, this is brilliant. This, this is, is great. This is really, really helpful. <laughs> this is really helpful. Now I have somewhere to be and I can be sociable. And yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm all for that. Have you considered taking a social media hiatus at any point in time? I actually just did it. So, so last year I took on the sort of biggest project of, of seen through glasses history. And I did this 12 month round the world trip, which, uh, we can come on to if you want to, but but at the end of it, I was so exhausted physically, mentally, creatively, and so kind of sick of social media. I just went, I need to stop because otherwise I don't think I can keep going. You know, it was at that point where it had become uh, it had become a job, you know, it really had become a job and I didn't want to burn out in any sense. So I, I physically deleted the apps off my phone. I, I announced to her, I took a month off, deleted everything, did keep my phone with me. And you know what was so weird for, for a long time now, I haven't watched YouTube. Yeah. Like, like I create a lot and I keep an eye on what people are doing, but I don't really watch YouTube. So I deleted Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, oh yes, uh, Snapchat, <laughs> everything you can imagine. But I did keep YouTube and that wasn't to perv on my own views because I wasn't uploading anything, but it was more so that I wanted to get a bit inspired again. You know, I wanted yeah. to kind of like watch other people and watch new content and see what people were doing. And so I ended up living on it because our, our dependency for social media apps, all the others were gone. I was yeah. like, oh, there's YouTube. And I was just watching the weirdest stuff, but that was quite enjoyable. So I guess it wasn't a complete clean detox, but... I find that those apps, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, those are the really dangerous ones for, for me. Yeah. It's, they, they suck me in. And it's so difficult You because you almost need two profiles, right? You need your seen through glass, whatever. And then when you're on that, you're bombarded with like replies and stats and all these things. It's like business, business, business and like uh, stress. But actually, like when I joined Instagram, I loved it for getting inspired by what other people were doing in a cool way, not like just people showing off with whatever, but just like artists, not necessarily like musicians, but like photographers or whatever doing cool stuff. Creators. Creators. And the same with YouTube. Like I watch 
the stuff I watch on YouTube at the moment, I watch like some guitar videos. I watch some of the American like vloggy photography type people. It's a guy called Peter McKinnon. Oh, him. I love Peter McKinnon. He's so good. Oh, he's so, I literally watched his vlog last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was talking with his mate came over and they did a segment where they filmed cheersing beer glasses oh. for like 35 minutes because he wanted the perfect shot. And I'm like, this, Peter, this is why. This is why I watch your content. <laughs> so I'm so glad you're all over that. Yeah. It's all over it. All, all over, over it. it. But no, it's, it's it's tough. And it's a proper like Crimea River type situation for everyone. Cause, cause, and I don't even know how you're talking about it anymore because... But these apps are developed by very clever people to suck you in, to keep you on their platforms. And, and so I don't think any of us are to blame for it. And, you know, it, but it, the dependent, I'm fully aware of the amount of times I pull my phone out having just looked at it and refresh Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, I have just looked at it. And the, the weirdest thing was when I came off this kind of hiatus... Did you still I, look at it? Well, like, you know, that's the thing. I opened Instagram and I was like... Oh, nothing's happened. Like in a month, yeah, nothing's happened. Oh, they've. Oh, that was cool. They did that. Oh, he drove that. Okay, cool. Like, but now three weeks later, I'm back to looking at it all the time, and and that's just because of the way the apps are developed. And so, yeah, I think I, I don't know how you escape from it. And TikTok is the worst. I don't know if you've experienced this TikTok. I thing haven't yet. really. Like, I've, oh. I've got the app. I've got an account, but I don't. I don't open it. Oh my God. I find myself and it, it, I'm like, what am I doing? You get, I'm just scrolling for like, dude, like an hour <laughs> watching some 15 year old girl in America dancing to like Eminem. And I'm like, what is going on with my life? So, you know, I do worry about that. And I do think it equates to a lot of stress and anxiety and pressure. And, you know, they keep saying that they're combating this by, you know, they're going to, they're going to hide likes, but you can no. still see them on your own posts. So, how does that make sense? Because I'm only judging myself. I don't care what someone else gets on their likes. That's nothing to do with no, me. I don't. But if I look at a post and it got half the likes of the previous one, I'm like, oh crap, my engagement is way down. And why is that post not? So that's my stress. I don't care about anyone else's. So oh, the whole thing is hell, but it's business. It's so. definitely done very differently if you're a creator versus just a, a sort of general consumer. And I, I think the creators moan about it ruining their lives a lot. But... I think the general consumer isn't aware or not. Ne- people are. I think a lot of people try and detox from it. But of the people I know, like the people that create content all the time, if someone says to you, did you see, someone's like, oh, did you see James's video? I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't see this person's video. I didn't see this. Like, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm posting my stuff and I follow like Peter McKinnon. That's about it. And then, and also if I know the person, I'll just ask them about it when I see them be like what have you up to unless they send me I'm in a whatsapp group and they're like this happened like oh you just drove a race car down the street Tim what the hell (laughs) 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 then but for general consumers like they it's only scrolling they're not putting stuff on it like most people that aren't putting stuff out there so I, I like use the app my ideal is open it up post the thing even better would be to schedule it and not even open the app sure same. drop it and leave yeah and then Dreaming. check back obviously 40 seconds later and then 45 yeah. seconds later just to see if refresh that oh, like button six more likes yes get in <laughs> i'm getting paid this man <laughs> but it, i mean it is because you're constantly fighting you're battling yourself and you're only as good as your last post on any of these platforms yeah and you know sometimes there is a commercial incentive behind it as well doing well but also 
it's a pride thing. You know, if you've slaved away working on something that you think people are going to love, you want to know what that reaction is. You're looking for that approval, which, you know, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, four years ago, I didn't care. I was yeah. just having fun. I was like, boom, like, there we go. Have fun, like, enjoy it. Whilst now, you know, and I'm to blame as much as the whole world is to blame you know i'm so analytical uh, about everything that's going on and there's that element of fake it till you make it life on social media <laughs> which i think is brilliant and there's lots of influencers oh hate that word but i i separate creators and influencers and i think there's a lot of people out there you know who are a little bit disingenuine or who are living their best life on social media yeah. and you and, meet them and, yeah and you <laughs> meet them you're like oh and as a consumer or a general member of public I can see how that can be tough because you're sitting there going, how on earth can they afford to go on all these holidays? Or yeah. how on earth did they buy that? Or they've got those Gucci shoes, what the hell? Yeah. Without realising what's going on behind they the scenes. They've just gone into a shop, picked them up, taken a photo and claimed that they own them. Literally, but I feel like on the same side, for a creator, it's tough because you can be out there doing your own thing and then you sit back and somebody else gets a, a break in whatever thing or they're pretending something that puts you down so i'm trying to think of it as in in our world it would be like me sitting here for the last four years having talked about how my dream car is the challenge for dark yeah but i just i can't afford it you know and also i can't afford to live with it it's not just the actual buy-in price it's living with it but then imagine another YouTuber out there gets lent a Chan Shradali for a week by a Ferrari approved yeah. salesman. And they make a video going, I got a Chan Shradali and they do six videos with it. Yeah. I'm going to like, I will crawl up in a ball and cr- like, cause that's it. It's yeah. like, it's done. Like it, you then buy your dream car and it's been done. The audience don't care. Yeah. And so that, I think, you know, you've got both sides of it. You've got as a normal person fight, like going, how are these people living these lives? Why can't I have a life like that? And as a creator, you're endlessly fighting the, well, but that's not real. Yeah. You know, that's not his favorite car and he didn't buy it or she got that makeup for free or that holiday was paid for. Like, so, you know, you're always fighting that, which, you know, it, it does make it tough, but it's a weird thing to complain about. It is a weird thing to complain about. Yeah. And I, but I, I 100%, like empathize with that because i i feel that quite a lot where you know you make a video and it's for example like we've been we're in the snow tour at quite a lot of effort we took these cars to blah 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 and then effectively someone could just post someone just post a video that they've dropped into somewhere done something that's similar but not the same and the title's the same and you're like okay no one's literally no one's gonna see this or they might not. Sure. But like whoever gets their content out first wins. And then if, if someone just in their title goes, I drifted a whatever, and there's a very possibility there, great possibility, there is no drifting in this video <laughs> whatsoever. Sure. But that title's out there, and then there might be five other titles. And then if you go and do it and you do it properly, and you're the sort of person that's like, I only want to do a video if I do it properly, it just gets lost into the the effort. Well, okay, so here's my question, and this is this was my sort of awakening i'm so woke these days <laughs> um, uh, over christmas was take away financials right yeah let's pretend this is me talking personally that you know i had a paye job that every month i knew i had a salary coming in yeah. from youtube and i was just making whatever content i wanted to make would i care and the truthful honest answer is no i only care about the views because of the financial reward 
I know if I'm getting 20,000 views, I'm earning less money. And if I'm earning less money, I'm less successful and I'm not going to be able to do the things do I want to do. Do you believe that? I truly believe Truly that. believe if you turned off views or, or, or if you no. literally started making videos that you really cared about, and you're putting a lot, you have to put a lot of effort into yeah, these things. Yeah. Let's say you, you know, you spend a day filming it, a day editing it, yeah. two days planning it, and it costs you loads of money and it, it literally got two views. Because, yes, I truly believe I, I wouldn't care because I've created something that I like. And previously, if I look back on my channel, if you weren't into cars or you didn't know who I was and you said, oh, what do you do? Like, let me go on the channel. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, no, oh, don't watch that one. Oh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's a bit nerdy. I was always a bit, watch that one yeah. whilst drive the world towards the latter half of the year definitely what i'm doing now my i have to be proud of everything i'm doing and i have to enjoy what i'm doing because otherwise what's the point but there's still a financial pressure on me so i think if somebody came along and said okay cool sam we're gonna give you a salary or here's your retainer you're on five grand yeah. a month or whatever brilliant like money is no issue i really wouldn't care if i was getting 15k or 15 million views I want 15 million views because I know that would create that that's money and that's success. Yeah. And you're not going to get the commercial deals. You're not going to get the opportunities if you're getting 15,000 views every video and you're gaining a hundred subscribers a year. It's just not like that's your, your channel's yeah. dead in comparison. So you're fighting this kind of constant thing of, right, I've got to be commercially successful and viable. And that means selling out. That means yeah. creating the content that gets those views. You have to work with brands and whatever. You have to do all of that stuff. But there are some videos that I'll point to on my channel and definitely this year and I'll go, you know what, if that does, like, okay, so the video I put out this week, as an example, Bentley, Continental yeah. Ice GT, it's something called the GP Ice Race. Cool looking thing. Cool looking thing. A bit of a dead video because do people really care? Like, I wasn't driving it. That's <laughs> Like, you know, it's got lights on it. Like, it wasn't mechanically that different. Yeah. Bit of a weird event, very hard to film at. And one of those weird videos where I'm like, but I actually created something I was happy with in the end. Yeah. You know, when I got home, I was like, this is, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But I worked really hard to edit it for like three days. And I was like, actually, I like that video. Yeah. I know it's not going to get good views. I don't care. Yeah. I like that video. I really like Bentley. I really like the fact that Bentley worked with me. I met a really cool uh, female rally driver, young female rally driver yeah. that I want to do more stuff with in the future. So I'm like, all of these, are like, there, that's that video. And I just know it's not going to do well. Give a, give a beep. Yeah. <laughs> but, and there's, there's, there's two sides. Like, you can get, if someone, you know, said to me, you can go and drive an F1 car. Like, yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to be able to do that. And if but someone turned around. JWW, TGE, Archie Hamilton, Shamil Hefti are all doing it on the same day. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely don't care. But if that was the press launch for a BMW M135i. Yeah, see ya, not going. <laughs> Unless they said, but unless why? they said, you do this launch and then you can drive an F1 car. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm so with you in this. Because, but five years ago, ten years ago, somebody said to you, BMW are going to invite you to Portugal for yeah. two days for free to stay in an amazing hotel and drive their brand new yeah. hot hatch. You'd be like, oh yes, yeah. But now you're like, oh, but wait, who else is going? What's the upload content? What am I going to be able to film with it? Who are going to be in the car? What is our life? Like, you know, and it's horrific. It's become that way, but it's business. And I think also part of it is just sort of growing up, really. You start to appreciate, and I massively appreciate at the moment, like having time to do things that are not 
like editing a podcast or whatever, like just general worky type stuff, like hanging out with friends and like seeing when, my, when your girlfriend organizes it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah occasionally I organize these things. It's not very often, but sure. oh, hanging out with my girlfriend. Like, yeah. And when someone says it, it happens a lot where people are like, Oh, why don't you come and do this? And, and we'll, we'll cover your costs. You're like, but that doesn't actually cover my costs because my life costs money. Like the rest of my life costs money. I've got, you know, rent, insurance, blah, 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 all these stupid cars that we always buy and yada, 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 like all this sort of stuff. So life costs money. Like it might cost you 300 pounds to turn up to this thing. And then also the opportunity cost of just hanging out. Like, oh no, but it'll be really funny. Like, I don't think it will be. You think it will be. That's exactly it. And I, I think it's, it's finding that fine balance between enjoying yourself, creating content that you're proud of and that you want to create, but also, you know, when appropriate, it being commercially viable. And, and the minute that anyone becomes a professional creator, whether it's alongside another job or full time, there's always going to be those pressures. And we, it would be great to all say, oh, you know, let's just, who cares? Who cares? Let's just make the content we want to make. And that's when you're going to get success. It's not true. You've got to feed the beast. And it's the same in any line of work, whether you're in accountancy or whether you're in painting, decorating, yeah, don't turn whatever. up for two months. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, you can't not turn up and you also can't turn up and just do a mediocre job. You've you, you got to do the right job. You've got to make it work and you've got to do what the client and customer asks for. And the audience apparently ask for still buying cars and putting silly exhausts on them and God knows what. And so you, every now and again, you've got to sell out and you've got to do that because you know that's where the views are and where the views are is where the money is. Yeah. So it's a tough old machine. But um, I definitely am now of the thought process of forget it, make the content, make really good content that people want to see, but make really good content and find other areas to find you know to find money to make yeah. money um so that you know you're not chasing youtube algorithm because i think that's the for me that i'm kind of done with that personally. And, and like you know over time and i sort of hate this, this word but like you're building a, you know a brand but like you're building your personality in an online presence and unfortunately i think if someone goes to your and this sort of really annoys me well I mean it doesn't matter it's what it is but if someone looks at your Instagram you are literally only your last like one post maybe maybe nine and your total number of followers and your total number of followers anything that happened before that did not happen Mm -hmm. now as someone who takes pictures and whatever I would quite like people to scroll back and I would quite also like to be able to just selectively delete the posts that are sort of news related or whatever that are not the complete body of all the things you love doing they're just things you did at one point in time sure and you're judged on all of these things youtube whatever by your last post and there is this really annoying thing where if you just created a new account right and you started from zero and you just posted your bestest stuff and you did like 10 posts 10 youtube videos of the most insane stuff 10 instagram posts of the most insane things you'd probably have more followers than you do now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yes, I see what you're saying, but I think there's also an argument, or there was an argument, that the crap, the sort of filler, got at least me or got a lot of us to where we are now. Yeah, totally. Because I agree, uh, right now, if I look back, I go, that video when I said, you know, should I sell my car for the fourth time? Like, 
It worked at the time. At the time it worked. And it also, it fed the algorithm, which for a long time was more content, the better. And there was an audience who was sitting there who were salivating over the fact of more stuff coming and they were fascinated by lives and by cars. And so they just wanted more and more and more. And so the more regular we could be, whilst now if I did a video saying, should I wrap my 360? People are going to go, what, like, what is wrong with you? There's 20K views. And you actually see it, you know, on, there are a lot of channels out there, especially in the UK, still doing the buying and selling thing. And three years ago, I would say, (laughs) lol, I would say that you could guarantee 150K views on a new car purchase, if not 300K views. I mean, like if I did a new car purchase and it didn't hit 300K views, I was like, well, that was a bad choice. I bought the wrong car. Nowadays, I look at the guys that are doing it and they're at like 60, 70K for a new car because it happens so often and people don't care. There's no feeling or intention or story behind it. It's just like, boom, new car, boom, new yeah. car, boom, new car. So, um, yeah, it's a different kind of thing. But I, I know what you're saying and I, I get it. But, but longevity, and I think you're, you're finding that, you're, you know, you've got to this point where you're like, I need to do stuff. This, this channel, whatever it is, Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 is my channel. And Peter McKinnon talks about this a lot. And he's like, I need to create stuff that I like because this is my channel. It It is consumed by loads of people, but it's consumed by loads of people because they like what I like. If they don't like what I like, they can go watch some... Like, they really should just go watch someone else. I need to not skew too much from what I want to do because it's so obvious. And in any you know like anything in life, if you are really good and really passionate about something if you're you're staying up till four in the morning to edit something because you are just having the best time and you've maybe nailed like 10 coffees and you now need to do drink four (laughs) liters of water to even it out like that is your best stuff and you're going to be super fired up about it and that's what gets you out in the bed in the morning but if you find you're just feeding a machine that's not even you and you're just literally burning your life away it doesn't long term it just doesn't work that's exactly it and and i think audiences these days are not naive you know there's so much out there they can find any videos of you know how to build a kitchen cabinet or to how to change a tire whatever so it's all out there so the only way that they're going to get a kick out of something is to see passion and excitement and knowledge you know weirdly last year everything i was doing you know traveling so much creating content busting a gut to find cool opportunities some of the videos that performed the best from the whole year were one take walkarounds of Formula One car collections. Okay. Because literally, I can, you can put me in a room with Formula One cars that I would say from like 94 onwards. Yeah. Pre-94, I get a little bit vague, but 94 onwards. And I can just, I can just You've chat. got the knowledge. I just got the knowledge. And so, so the Alonso collection and the Schumacher collection were two videos that I think have done over half a million views. And literally, I mean, Schumacher one, I drove there in the morning, got out, walked around, did a one take, got back in the car and drove home. Yeah. And a bish bash bosh, no thoughts. And I think, People sit there and, okay, fine, everyone kind of knows the cars. Or like, There's plenty of other videos out there about them. But they heard the stories and they heard the passion, I suppose, from yeah. me. Whilst another video, which is like, I review a Lamborghini Huracan, where I'm kind of like grasping for excitement because I kind of don't really like the car and I've experienced it a lot of ways before. A lot of other people have seen the videos with it. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, I, people are just like, oh, like, whatever, you know. But, so I think, you know, you've got to have passion, but, you do still need to be aware that you are fighting this huge space. You know, YouTube 
algorithm and, and platform that's got so much content. You've got to fight your way through that and you've got to make appealing stuff. I think if you sat there and literally went, you know, the circumnavigation weight of a Pirelli P0, yeah. like bit niche. So you, you've got to find ways to attract people in and make it mass appeal, but keep it, you know, to what you enjoy. Yeah. I think there's something I really like about making the podcast is I can get people on that know a lot more than I do about stuff. And because of that, I just try, I try and just ask the dumb questions and ask the questions that if I'm like, I'm not sure, just ask them and let, let the people with all the knowledge just like drop some bombs left, right and center. Like one of my favorite things about going to, let's say an event like Le Mans Classic, for example, there's all these cars there that like, I basically know nothing about. And when I was at Le Mans Classic this year, I walked around with a guy and he has been a mechanic for 50 years or something. And we've worked on all sorts of stuff. And we just walked around the paddocks and the different categories, whether it was like 50s Ferraris or these like 40s stuff and the 60s and whatever. And he's just dropping interesting knowledge bombs about all of these cars. And I just walked past his stuff and I'm just like, this is just an old thing. He's like, that was the first car to do X, Y, Z. Or this car is chain-driven. And it, if you watch any video ever, it's drifting the entire time because it has a fixed rear axle. You're like, that's now badass. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that's totally it, right? And I, and I think that's... I mean, classic, it's, it's sort of easy to own, it's all classics. But for sure, the stories now, what interests me and learning. And that's the same about new cars. Like if there's a story, there's a story. Yeah, people want to be informed, I think. I think that's where YouTube has progressed. You asked earlier what's changed. I think the audience are now uh, more switched on, more intelligent. And they've seen the sort of brash lifestyle bits. They now want to learn something. Yeah. They want to be informed. And that can be the new way that paint protection film works. You know, there's no reason why you can't keep growing on a similar formula, but I think they're over the sort of generic, here's me in my life. Because people are like, I don't care, mate. But if you can say, look, here's me in my life and I'm today doing something really interesting. And I think that's why Harry's garage is doing so well. Like it's just knowledge. It's just, and he does it in in the best and most nerdy way that we all appreciate. You know, it's, it's 30 minutes of him telling stories and anecdotes and really quirky knowledge. We all know what the Porsche Carrera GT is. We've all seen it enough times on YouTube. We've all, you know, followed it and blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, him telling the story of the initial press launch and how it took place and how Porsche revealed the cars to a load of journalists was like so interesting and like, wow, that must have been so cool. And suddenly there's a tidbit that makes you go, oh, I'm watching a Carrera GT video. So, you know, I think his channel speaks a lot for how the automotive audience have progressed over the last four or five years and stepped away from the generic into to wanting to learn. And it doesn't always mean being journalistic, but I think being informative or letting someone else be informative, yeah. like you say. If you go to Le Mans Classic, don't just walk around and film the food at the Michelin stand. Yeah. Like, get down <laughs> at the pit and let someone tell you what that car is and why it's cool. And that's it. And it's, it's giving the sort of mic to someone else who really knows the stuff and generally old people like <laughs> old people funny enough have a lot more experience than young people they know about all of these things yeah just ask them learning is fun people and, they tell- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i know like yeah and you'll probably find there'll be videos like a couple of videos of mine from a long time ago that are more like knowledge 
Like they're like, how to do this or, you know, some information by a specialist on something and they still get views today and they just chug along. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I should just do that. Yeah. Well, I mean... It's Peter, difficult to just do that, but... But take Peter McKinnon, you know, he... Every single video has some kind of lesson or information. What he does brilliantly alongside Casey Neistat and many other big, big uh, creators is package it in a super entertaining and stylistic way. Yeah. I think Casey, for me, has become a little bit too preachy over the last, you know, 18 months or so. I don't watch his videos anymore. So, yeah, I mean, obviously when he was vlogging, it was brilliant. But if you get super analytical about Casey Neistat and what worked and why his channel blew up is he was a a master at identifying one key element for his day, for his vlog. You know, you looked at it and you thought, right, this is an amazing daily vlog, but it wasn't. It was a tiny part of his day. He went, God, the brain power, the capacity to figure that out each day blows my mind. And that's what impresses me, not the volume of work. It's the motivation and the creativity to say, right, I'm really, really busy today, but I've got an hour there. What can I do in that hour? I know I'm going to miss my flight or, you know, let's make a little story about something. And it was a little story every day. It was a little story. And then he just packaged it beautifully with little time lapses here, little clips, little moving to work, coming in and out of the office, but you were engaged because he was telling you a story. And I think that's what sometimes people miss is, you know, it's not always about me. Look how amazing my life is. Me, 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 me. You've got to find that story, that narrative. And Peter McKinnon is like that, you know, how to take a great photograph this is the best new, you know, lens for your camera, whatever yeah. it might be. He's not literally just sitting there analyzing the lens and taking it apart with a screwdriver. He's made some awesome fucking travel video. Yeah. Like he's gone up to Antarctica or something like that. And it just happens to be that you're learning about the lens at the same time. For those out there that's not, have not come across Peter McKinnon, <laughs> clearly, clearly we both love so him, but much, yeah. he, he has one thing that he does uh, and, and all of his content is amazing. But there's one thing he does that I've never seen done and it is possibly the most amazing version of this. And it is his Squarespace sponsored oh. videos. Oh. So halfway through his video, he will do a little sponsor. And for most people, literally, they cut it and go like, this video is sponsored by Squarespace. And Peter McKinnon has come up with this format where he, he's like just literally mid-vlog, walking around doing something, and he'll open a cupboard. And inside the cupboard, there is this character that he's created. And it is his, himself but it's this Squarespace-sponsored version of himself that just wants to tell everyone about Squarespace. And, you know, he talks to himself throughout the video and all of this stuff, and it is absolutely genius. It is the only advert I think I've seen in the last 10 years online where I've, I would click like on the advert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's creativity at its best. Unbelievable. And, and I'm always inspired and amazed by these people of, you know... It's a, it's it's a clever idea, but not a, it's a simple idea, and it's it's not original either. No, but I think it's because he doesn't. He's not ashamed of that. He's not scared yeah. of that, and he's not sitting there going, "I got to do an ad." Okay, how do I do an ad? Right, uh, hey guys. By the way, today's he's like, "No, how can I improve on that? How can I take that and go further?" And it's the same nowadays. You know, I find like a lot more brands and companies are getting in touch now with YouTubers, Instagrammers, influencers. <laughs> And they're still learning and they don't quite know how to work with us and blah, blah, blah. But I'm fighting harder and harder to work in a more collaborative way, which is like, look, everyone knows it's going to be an ad. We've got to yeah. say it's an ad. We've got to declare it's an ad. So let's not, let's not treat them like they're idiots and let's not sell too hard. Let's try and be creative about this. Now, some companies aren't going to be for yeah. that because it's new for them. But Squarespace clearly had the 
I don't know what you would call it, the uh, trust in Peter. To be like, give it a go. Give it a go. You know, you know, we want to say, about it, and let him do something, which as you say, is now an engaging and funny, incredible. And you're like, actually, fair play, square yeah. space. And you're like, uh, and it's going in in a sort of authentic way rather than, oh God, skip the ad. So, you know, we've all got to, we've all got to try and work harder at, at allowing ourselves to be creative, but it's energy. That's why I don't get where his brain capacity is. I'd love to just talk to him and say like, do you sit there for five days of the week going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then, and then, ding. Ding. <laughs> or are you just this freak of nature that is just do, 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 do. And, you know, I, I would say four years ago, I was a lot more creative than I am today. Yeah. Um, because Same. now I've found a formula. I know how to make you, a video. You sort of stick to it. Yeah. I stick to it. I know what works. It's comfortable. It's easy, dare I say it. I very rarely want to, push myself out because of fear of failure. That's my biggest concern is let's say I go to that event and I've got one day to get the shots I need. I know if I film it and frame it in my head in the way that I always do, I'm safe. I'm going to walk away there with it. If I go, Hey, let's do this. And it doesn't work. I'm screwed. That's the video's done. And you never get invited back. They're like, what did you do? It's weird. So, you know, and that's my bad. Yeah. And, you know, I need to take more control of that and more ownership and, and find ways to allow myself to be more creative again. Something that someone did, do you know Raz? Yeah, Mr. Um, Mr. AMG. Mr. AMG. Yeah, yeah. So I had him on the podcast and uh, that actually came out today. Oh, nice. This one's coming out and I don't know when this the one's coming out, five weeks or something. Ellipsium or yeah, exactly. But he, this guy with his videos, he does, they're like super crazily edited and he essentially puts cars in his front yard are there sometimes and they're not there sometimes and he'll like snap his fingers and he'll show you the previous model standing exactly where the new one is or whatever and he went to a i think it was like a bmw launch last year and he was like i uh, like this is not really how i do my videos but i'll, I'll come to your launch whatever and they're like no we need you to do a video and he's like okay just like trust me on this i'm gonna do my thing i'm going to do a video it's going to be a bit weird but i'm gonna do it and he went to this launch and he filmed all the angles and stuff of this car in this booth with like a hundred million people around. And then he literally superimposed it onto his driveway. Nice. And then when he was at home, did a walk around video and stuff of talking about this car, nice. but at his driveway. Which is like, and that's him, right? That's his channel. That's like, like him. This is, this is what I do. Which I think is brilliant. And I think at the same time though, my question for him, which I wouldn't, hopefully he's not listening, is two years down the line, you do you do become do you become too my thing is I'm the driveway yeah. guy. Like like I I think it's brilliant as well. I've seen lots of his videos before. I really like Raz and I think it's a great way to do cars differently. But how do you progress? Yeah. Maybe you don't, because if you look at the biggest automotive channel <laughs> in terms of vlogging, Shmi 150, uh, I now know some Americans are bigger, but hey, let's face it, Tim is still the biggest. <laughs> uh, he's done the same thing. Year on year for 10 years. Okay, he flirted with music and B-roll when we all started to join the scene, but he very quickly realised that that's not me. And it was a waste of time and money. A waste of time and money. And, you know, he's always been good at analysing stuff like that. And so nowadays, if you watched a video that he put out this week and one of his videos from seven years ago, it's the same. And so you don't always need to reinvent, but it's about, you know, falling back on your laurels. And I would say with his channel creatively it's not it's, he, that's not a tim channel it's not a creative channel it's an information his channel. is a, a knowledge and information channel and he has 
an insane ability to swallow information from someone and regurgitate it in one take whilst yeah. walking around. Like, if I want to know about a car, I will watch Tim's video about the car and it's almost as if the guy that made the car is walking around talking yeah, about it. Exactly. So I don't think he needs to change that up. But that's the thing, you know, and maybe I don't need to change up what I'm doing, but I want to. Like, like I, I feel the desire to learn new techniques and to try different, because it's, it's too, not easy, but like, for me, the biggest kick I get at the moment is editing. Yeah. Because I find it really hard to film differently now. Yeah. I've been doing it this way for four or five years. I know my cameras. As I say, I know how to bank the shots yeah. that I need. So now I just overfilm. If I get, I just film as much as I can because I know in the edit is when I can chop and change things, when I can do, do things differently and I can change it up. I can edit in a different style. And I can make the video feel differently. I don't have the confidence yet or maybe the, the capacity to think of filming things differently, which is that's what I want to do. That's yeah. what I need to do. When I watch really good videos now, they, they have filmed the video like someone films a movie. They've, they've, they've planned, not, they haven't just done an intro, the content, an outro, and then filmed some B-roll. Like, everything rolls into the next shot. Like, it's through, all it's the like, shots are just, like, super thought through. And it's, obviously, it's not something that's very easy to do on the fly. No. You've got to be an unbelievable human to be able to crank out some of the level edits that people do and literally just turn up and do it. Well, you know, and doing what any of us do, but traveling and moving around and being in those kind of high pressure timed environments, walking up to a car and you're going to get your, your classic shots, suddenly going, oh, I know what, let's put like a GoPro in that door. Yeah. So in the door, like, I hate myself for not thinking of that. I'm yeah. just like, okay, I got the shots I need, let's get in the car, I got to do the job. But that's how I want to be doing it. I want to be able to walk up to a car and go, oh, what can I do? Oh, you know what's really funny? Let's leave the camera over there and I'll walk up. Oh, yeah. You open the boot and I'll, like, I want that. And and I think it, myself is to blame just because of the churn. And I guess everyone gets into that way, whether you're packing bags at Tesco's or, or whatever you might be doing. You get used to doing what's required. Like, And I don't think I'm like letting myself down. I feel like I'm still making good videos, but I'd like to be making better videos. I just don't know how to recalibrate my brain to say, go that step further. What yeah. more can I do here, Sam? What funny, different angle can I do? And if I try it, I get nervous. I'm like, oh no, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Just do what I usually do. And it's, it's the time, I think the time element of filming cars makes that especially difficult. Now, some people might just, just do it properly, but you watch, you know, some of these high production car videos of someone like Carfection or something like that. They take a really long time to film their videos, like a really long time. Mm -hmm. Whereas quite it. often you'll go somewhere and someone will be like, you can drive my car. And you're like, you know, you've got 15 minutes. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I've got to film an intro, all the stuff, 15 minutes, yeah. make up my thoughts, splurge out something that's actually coherent in the middle and then done and then that's it. You haven't said you've got a car for a week, unlimited budget, and just go and make something really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And also, you know, you take some people like that. They're very rarely solo. You know, yeah. like, like Carfection, I would agree, are one of the, the best in terms of automotive at the moment. But, you know, they're, they're a team of three or four people. They've got a fantastically experienced and very knowledgeable journalist in Catchpole, but also now yeah. I think Alex Goy is going back and doing a few bits. They've got a lot of people on tap. They've also got two really, really talented and creative filming editors. Yeah. They've got photographers, you know, so they've got a lot of people there to come together and go, let's do this, let's do that. When you're a solo vlogger, and this is like so like, oh, pity me and blah, blah, blah. But when you're a solo vlogger, 
you're doing a million different things. You've also got to think about the Instagram shots, the Insta stories, the tagging this, the what am I going to say? And so sometimes it's hard to have that spare brain capacity to go, oh, guys, why don't we try this? You're like, nah, just get on with and it. And even, like, and I know people bash sort of car YouTubers for their lack of video, basically, in terms of like extra angles and whatever. But if there's two of you and the one person is dedicated to filming, they can get out of the car and you can drive past them. Yeah. Like, you know, all of these things that you can film that to film by yourself, like Casey Neistat always used to just like drop his camera down on the street, which I'm like, fair play. I mean, yeah, I yeah. guess he's just accepted. Like at some point in time, someone may nick that. But yeah, up until exactly. that point, I'm going to get a lot of shots. Yeah. And then he'll walk back and skate past it again and then walk back and pick it up and then put it on the other side of the street and then walk back and skate back. And it looks like this one fluid shot from multiple angles, but he's literally taken him 15 minutes and he's literally just left his stuff on the side of the street. That's exactly it. And I think it's great. And I push myself as much as I can to go to those lengths. I think what, where, where you sometimes struggle, where I struggle is, is the new format. So I, you know, I'm making better versions, I think of the videos that I've been making for yeah. four years. Every single video I would hope is incrementally a little bit better than the last one, but I'm not changing my style. Maybe I don't need yeah. to, maybe people come to my channel because they know what a scene through glass video looks like. But it, it sounds like you need to. I need to. Yeah, I definitely need to. Because you take, we were talking about music before we started recording because we're both into our guitars and into music. And you take any of the biggest acts in the world, right? I'm talking Madonna, the Beatles, Coldplay, whatever it might be. They're always that act, but they always reinvent themselves. Yeah. You know, there's the new always, album is different. The generally. new album's always different. And you could track their, maybe their, their change over the years and whatever it might be. But even take Adele, like those three albums are all slightly different, but they're still Adele, yeah. but they're all slightly different. And so artists need that because they're expressing themselves creatively and they change and they move on. What they do, which creators these days don't do, is have time. Yeah. Take a TV series, take a movie, take a musician. They take time off. They step they away. Like, well, whatever, there's a month, two months or whatever. Some, you know, Justin Bieber, Year. four years. Yeah. You know, what a joker. <laughs> um, just been partying hard. But, you know, I think because of the way social media is, it doesn't allow that experimentation, different formats, different influences. You're always like, when's the next upload? Yeah. So I don't feel like I have the time to go and, try different techniques and come back and go, oh, that didn't really work. So I'm like, well, if that didn't work, what crap, yeah. I've got to go and film something like, oh, this sucks. So I would love if YouTube allowed, and maybe I should just try like a it. season. Seasons. That's what I would love. Guys, you're going to get two videos a week for six weeks and then I'm going to be gone for three months. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be working. I'm yeah. going to be filming stuff. And we'll be back in we'll be June. Back. Like, Maybe I should just trial it. Maybe that's the maybe that's the future. But to me, it feels inherently risky. I, mean, I can tell you, from posting regularly to then a gap of five weeks, it does not work. No. And financially, it, what money you're raising, you. like, it kills you. Like, like YouTube does not reward that gap in uploads. I thought with podcasts, so I've just started season two okay, and, I, nice. and I did regularly for every, once a week, blah, 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 for whatever, eight, nine weeks before season one stopped and was like, I just need, it was like the beginning of December. I've got loads of stuff on. I'm going to film some, record some more podcasts, blah, blah, blah. We're going to come back 1st of February, pretty much. Boom. It's going to be one a week for a while. I I thought with podcasts, it would be literally like you've left off because everyone's still got the app. They're still subscribed. Sure. No one's going to unsubscribe if you haven't posted a podcast. Even then it's still not. Yeah, but because the platforms are not promoting it. That's the problem. You know, 
subliminally, I've got a lot of different podcasts on my phone because in the car, I yeah. just churn through them. And there's Dax Shepard, who was a comedian on Punked back in the day. Okay. He's now married to that bird from Frozen. Anyway, he does a really good like celebrity podcast. They go really deep into people's childhood. And anyway, yawn, yawn, yawn. I listen to them a lot, but I'll then go through a three or four month period where I don't listen to him. Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I never get notified about his new episodes. I have to go, oh crap, I haven't listened to Dax and scroll through and he's right at the bottom of my list and I've got to go available episodes, blah, blah. Whilst if I'm listening to the F1 podcast, when that comes out, because I'm tuning in straight away every week, yeah. I'm bong, new episode, bong, new episode and it keeps telling me. And so all of these platforms, unfortunately, the less active you are, the less they push your content to that audience because they're like, well, the audience don't care, the creator doesn't and, care. And most platforms don't push your intense podcast. They, they don't push anything. They're literally nothing. And yeah. so most of us, as time goes on, podcast is growing in popularity. So people will subscribe to more podcasts. So if you, unless you specifically follow a podcast, you're their one that came out a week ago. If you subscribe to a hundred podcasts, there's a list with yep. 99 above it. Yep. So they're never going to see you're it. You're buried. You're buried. So it's a tough thing to fight against. But I feel like, you know, if we take the last five years, what are the next five years for social media mm. and YouTube in particular? Things, again, are, are going to have to change. And at the moment, I think creators across the board are fighting the fact of oversaturation. Yeah. You know, that there's too much of everything. And it's never going to go away, that problem. Never going to go away. But therefore, how do you combat it? How do you, as a viewer, remain engaged and interested and as a creator, motivation and all these different elements? And, and so I, I have long thought about whether it's series or just reduced content, more yeah. thought through content, because say so you take a TV show, even Game of Thrones, people are out waiting a year for Game yeah. of Thrones. So why, because of social media, is this like dependency on constant uploads, you know, constantly, because we're on the apps all the yeah. time. We want new content. We're, as I spoke about before, the phone is out of my pocket every 15 minutes. So if you're not posting new stuff for me to look at, yeah. I don't care about you. But if you created an environment like Peter McKinnon and said, okay, guys, you know, I'm going away, but I'll be back on Still post, 6th of like, July. Twice a week. Yeah. You'd be, like, <laughs> you'd be back on like 6th of July. I would have him like, I put it in my July. Yeah. And then the hype for that 6th of July episode would be there because it's freaking Peter McKinnon. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's, that needs to be a whole like cultural change in terms of, you know, creators having the, 
the being brave enough to say, guys, screw you two. Like, these are my, this is when I'm going to upload. But anyway, so we're not there yet, but I would like to see it happen because I think it would allow us all the time and space to experiment, to do things differently. We could go out and film a car upside down yeah. somewhere. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. Who cares? We'll try another episode, you know? So let's see. But I think I, yeah, I would appreciate that for now. You just have to stick with definitely with you know. a huge part of that is financial security. Mm. Like if, if everyone, if someone literally said, like a network said, you know, you five YouTubers, like we love what you do, but we want you to like do, just do cool stuff. And here's like, whatever, like 50 grand a year each. Boom. Done. You'll be like, yeah, breezy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like if I remove a lot of the stress that I was going to have and I can go and literally someone just sends me a check and all we've got to do, not all we've got to do, obviously you've got to go and do cool stuff, but you're like, okay, we're going to film one video a week and we're going to think about it a lot or we're going to film one every two weeks. I think you would do better. And I think the channel would do better. You know, if you look at Car Throttle, for example, since Dennis have come on board, immediately, I mean, that's a that's a recent thing, but the they're con- killing it. They're absolutely killing it because they're doing the same thing but better, more thought through with less pressure. I mean, yeah. I think they probably do have a lot of pressure because they've now got, you know, to really hit numbers of... I've been trying to get Alex in here for ages and he's just, he's like, I'm filming, I'm filming, I'm filming, yeah. I'm filming, I'm filming. But, you know, Carfection, that's not independent. They've got huge money behind them. Yeah. Car Wow again, huge investment behind them. So it's different, I think, to, you know, the independent YouTuber yeah, to be able to, as you say, that financial security, that dependency to say... Screw it. I don't, I don't care about that. I'm going to take my time and do blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's a battle. And also, if you're a platform, you're like Car Throttle, Carfection, you're this, you're this like brand entity, anyone under that umbrella can post. Now, if it's seen through glass and someone other than Sam is posting, yeah, okay, maybe under the broad spectrum, I know like Tim on his Facebook, there's people that put out new stuff and whatever, but Instagram is Tim. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't Your work. Your Instagram is Sam. <laughs> yeah. You can't just start having other people. You can have these names seen through glass, but, but you are the brand. Yeah. I, you know, I, t- I know Tim found that when he tried to experiment with presenters on the channel and stuff like yeah. that. You know, we think we've got brand value, but the brand is us, yeah. you know? And so, so you can't step away from that. And people want that kind of connection and they want that to be able to, to speak directly to you and hear from, from you. So, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure in that. But that's also the great part about it you know mm. the buck stops with me i i like that pressure and i like that side of things but yeah for sure it can it can make things yeah just just tough on create i think creatively that's the only way that i think it's tough i think the rest of it's just fun and crack on it would be work. very cool to start seeing like the equivalent of like a netflix comedy special yeah well, <laughs> could you imagine that, but, I, it's it's totally doable totally doable but you know, it's the it's the money, and the thing which is funny about a lot of these commercial opportunities, the brands that come forward, you know, for a long time. Take motorsport. You know, you always hear racing drivers saying oh, it's so hard to get sponsorship, and I think it's this because they need like a million pounds a yeah, day, a million pounds a day to go <laughs> racing. Uh, but I think it's the same for creators because you'll get a lot of companies that will get in touch saying, "Hi, we'd love to do an activation around Goodwood Festival of Speed." That's literally every single UK brand, and you're like, "Great, perfect." Like, how can we do this differently? But if you go to that brand and say, "Hey, look, I got this really cool idea for this project that, yeah. that you could collaborate on," they're like, mm, "Doesn't really fit our marketing strategy." They're like, "Yeah, but it's." 10% of the cost of your other activity that you want to do yep. and it's 5 million times more original. 
way more original, way more engaging, all of these different elements. And so I think that is, brands still need that sort of education and that step forward. And don't get me wrong, there are some companies doing great work in the social media space and who are open, but the majority come to you with their idea and their activation rather than saying, how can we work together? And quite often it is really bad. Oh yeah, usually it's way too corporate and they've, they've totally misunderstood how to work with social media creators. But let's say that Netflix special, you know, if we were to get together, you know, we have previously, like myself, James and Paul, Supercars London, we did a hot hatch tour, Mm. which was a format which worked really well. Three days, one video each day on one channel. So it's a scene through glass one day, Mr. Jeff on the next, Supercars London on, on the third day. And that was kind of a format that we thought, you know, if this works well, why couldn't we sell this concept? You know, why why couldn't we get someone to buy in? And so you think, right, let's go to Pirelli and say, hey guys, do you want to sponsor the next one, which is going to be the 1500 pound car challenge? And they're like, well, that doesn't really fit with the tires we're launching this year. Or you go to Shell and say, hey guys, you know, we want to get you on board and we're going to stop at Shell stations. Mm, We're doing something around revival. Maybe Mm. we could speak then. And so, you know, those were just totally uh, unrelated examples, but that's the kind of stuff you would expect to hear or you do hear. And that's where it's frustrating. I would love some brands to be a bit more open, but you know, it's always hard to get sponsorship. And also they have, there's certain times of year when they've got the money yeah, and then they're planning for the next three years. And you know, if you say we want to do something in six months time, they're like, okay, well you need to talk to us next March. Well, there you go. And also, as we spoke about earlier, there's a difference between, I think, influencers and creators. And a lot of these brands are still figuring that out. And so somebody who's got 15,000 or 500,000 followers on Instagram and seems to get good likes, but, but isn't really that genuine or engaged, can take a brand in a very wrong direction. Uh, you know, someone who's seen as a bit of a sellout who works with too many companies, as opposed to a creator who wants to do something creative, and, yeah. you know, come up with something unique and special. And so they can go in the wrong direction there and maybe have worked with the wrong person, a creator who's just been way too niche and no one's got the messaging of the brand or some tacky influencer who no one's noticed the brand work because it's the fifth one he's done that day. So, you know, you're always battling that as well. But that's that will come with time for sure. It'll get there. Right, let's just skew... Okay, whiz yeah, back round for sure we we're talking about motivation on social media for a lot yeah <laughs> tangent whenever people have been well asleep for sure drive the world yes oh you my went around the world I went around the world uh, I'm also just looking at my phone because I have a builder at my house at the moment who's texted me <laughs> hi mate having a bit of trouble at yours this morning we'll have to start tomorrow classic builders yeah so last year I went around the world 12, 12 months it was I had a desire to just elevate things mm. I think I think you know as we've been speaking about, I was looking for for some new inspiration, but also just wanted to take the channel in a new direction. And when I was looking back at what had worked well, I did these two travel series, one in LA, I was there for three and a half months, and one in Italy when I was there for about a month and a mm-hmm. half. And those two series had performed incredibly well in terms of engagement. Yes, the views have been good, but I saw a spike in my audience like to dislike ratio, viewer retention. Yeah. You know, people were still referencing back. So I thought, how can I go bigger and better? And the idea just, just, idea just kept growing and growing. And then I suddenly went, well, let's just go around the world <laughs> in 365 days. Which doesn't actually sound like that much time. It's a shockingly small amount of time. I cannot believe, like, I should have realised this, but I think the maximum we spent in any one place, 
This is a lie. I was going to say two days, but it's like as LA, we were there for a week. Monaco, we were there for a week. But but on average, I would say we were in a, in a place for sort of two to three days. And that gives you very little time to do anything. You know, in Singapore, yeah. we flew in. The next morning, you wake up, you go out and film a video, you go back, you edit, you fall asleep. The next morning, you wake a video and then you head to the airport. Bish, bash, bosh. Yeah. You don't see much of the city. You don't experience much. And you're there to make content. So I'm like, I don't want to have flown all the way to Singapore and not make a video. Yeah. And there were some places we went to where that happened because I didn't have enough upload slots. I wasn't trying to daily vlog. Like Poland. Poland's a great example. Actually, what an awesome place. Totally mm. didn't expect it. Had no clue. Never been there before. Warsaw, amazing city. Crazy car culture there. Like driving into Poland. I saw like an Aventador SV like cruising the other way on the motorway. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on in Poland? But I was already three videos behind. I drove into Warsaw at 5 p.m. one afternoon and we were leaving the next morning at 11 a.m. I struggled to find anything particularly interesting to film. And I was like, well... I've just come to Warsaw for nothing. So I was trying to avoid that from happening. So, you know, that means you didn't do a lot of exploring, didn't get to really like, we weren't on a gap yard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a work trip. And so, yeah, it was a lot, but amazing at the same time. Do you feel like you've seen the, the world? The world, or like, you know, you've been to, if you now get a map mm -hmm. and put in a bunch of pegs of like where you've been, do you feel like you've seen these places? You know what? So I had my, my girlfriend with me the whole time. Thank God, because not only did she keep me sane, but she was also the motivating cause in let's go and do this. Okay, yeah. I mean, especially in Australia, I have so many memories of physically running to like scenic <laughs> spots. Like we would be driving on the road and there'd be a sign saying, you know, Gucci waterfalls. Yeah. Not Gucci, that's a weird thing to do. But anyway, they have odd names there. And so we would sponsor it. We would pull over, stop the car, run down, take a picture, run back and keep going because yeah. we were on a time constraint. But at least we saw that waterfall. So yeah, I definitely saw a lot of places. Some places I think maybe I didn't get to see that much of. But yeah, it was still incredible. Like it was still absolutely unbelievable. And it's so funny how you quickly you forget the bad bits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. You know, with any kind of thing like this, there's always bad bits. But yeah, now it's all rosy in my mind. Um, but an unbelievable experience. But yeah, tough. It wasn't, it wasn't travel. It wasn't a travel thing. It was a, it was a work trip, at which I had to do a lot of traveling. It looked like a really, really cool trip. Where was the best place for sort of making videos? New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand remains yeah, hands like probably the pick of the bunch. Uh, I think because expectations were low. Amazing car scene. Incredible weather. Uh, Some legit owners. Legit owners. <laughs> like insane owners. Great roads. Pretty abandoned. So, you know, tends yeah. to be quite fun. Um, <laughs> and I mean, to summarise like the first couple of days, flew in and picked up a Continental GT W12 for the like four days Where from Bentley, land? landed into what's at the north, Auckland. Somewhere up there, yeah. yeah. Flew into Auckland, literally come out of the airport, pick that up, type into Google, best breakfast spots, Auckland, drive there, the best breakfast I think I've ever had, like mm. delicious, amazing coffee, like, like this is lovely. We then drive three hours through the most beautiful countryside to their equivalent of Goodwood Festival of Speed, it's called yeah. Leadfoot. Unbelievable cars, people, I mean, just an amazing event. Then, then stayed at a hotel in like a rainforest. The next day, drive on the best road I think we drove all year, which was called the Thermal Explorers Ex Highway or Thermal Explorer Expressway. Beautiful, great car, great roads. Arrived with a friend of mine, 
who happens to own a 918 and a 911R. And the next morning he goes, I got stuff to do. There are the two keys. Go have fun. Nice. I mean, I, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> we're peaking way too soon. But that kind of summarizes why New Zealand was just the best. I mean, that was the first three days. We were there for seven or eight days. So New Zealand, of all the places I've been, I've spent quite a lot of time there. I spent two, two summers skiing, um, instructing down there. And English people and people from New Zealand, New Zealanders, I think we just click full stop. Yeah. Like we're very similar in a lot of ways. You're right. And you just hang out with New Zealand people and you're like, yeah, they, they get it. We're the same. Yeah, we're <laughs> we the same. <laughs> you're right. It's, just a, it's a nice, comfortable it's, place to be. And it's like Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Where was the best place that you visited, like from a sort of personal point of view, like not necessarily filming? Japan, I'd say. Japan. Uh, Japan. I mean, the whole trip was basically an excuse to go to Japan. Uh, I really want to go to Japan. Yeah, mate, it's just such a cool place. Like, I didn't actually make that much content there, and I probably didn't make that much. I mean, I did. I, mean, I think we made four videos or something like that. But it, in it, four days. In four days, <laughs> pretty much. And you know, I think the audience wanted to see more of the sort of you know underground JDM scene, which I didn't get the chance to tap into. But from a personal, which was your question, it just blew me away. It's such an amazing place. The people are incredible so kind so generous so respectful so fascinating and fascinated by you which mm. i loved you know we got into the taxi from the airport they really don't speak much english there and so we said uh new otani hotel and i don't want to be racist but and i said no new otani hotel and i show them on the google maps and they just keep talking to you in japanese and they don't give up it's not like you know sometimes you go to foreign countries and you say something yeah, yeah. and they look at you blankly like uh, they just talk and I was like a bit like uh, English people in foreign countries yeah with a weird <laughs> accent hello I want the margarita um, and so he just kept talking and eventually we start driving and then he just kept saying new old and I went new Otani he went old Otani new Otani old Otani <laughs> and we're just going and I had no data on like it was it was hilarious but we got there yeah. and he found it so funny and I found it so funny and so uh, the people always make the place I find um, but it's fascinating Tokyo to the countryside you gotta go mate it's an amazing place yeah. amazing I wanna go place, I wanna yeah. go Finds an excuse. see the car stuff and then go skiing it's expensive is yeah to get there to stay there to shop like it's expensive but uh but feels like a very foreign place which is what i always look for when traveling i want to go somewhere different Mm. and that's what it feels like logistically challenging well apart from the language but you know google translate genuinely is the bomb out there uh (laughs) so get that app um but no you figure it out the actual subway is pretty damn good a pretty good way to get around um and you can figure that out pretty easily like the like the london underground uh did they have uber i think they did have uber yeah they did have uber so that's what you can rely on uber but they try and talk to you when you get in the uber and you're like just follow the app please <laughs> but it's as i say it's fun it's like when you go into a restaurant you never really know what you're ordering but yeah. they find that quite amusing and so do you and then something turns up and it's usually delicious i mean the food is just the the petrol stations there i stopped at what was like an m4 services it, yeah. it was rammed with people eating wow. like 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 the car park was overflowing because yeah. people had like gone there for dinner. Dude, it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> Unbelievable place. Did you have any major problems just like halfway around the world? Like, oh, my car's got to be in this place now and I, it's not happening because I've hit a deer um, or Yeah, sort of. You know what? We were so lucky in that sense where there were no major hiccups. We had a few boat delays here and there and things like that. I'll be honest, 
physical exhaustion. Yeah. Like, like I'm not even joking. That was the first time I realized that you can keep going, but eventually your body says no. Yeah. So there were a couple of times where both me and my girlfriend just literally either got really ill or, or like, like depression's a bit extreme, but you know, really low, really, really down. And that was hard to combat and to fight against. And there were moments where we just had to take time off. So that was, that was uh, tough physically. The car was, was, was perfect. We really didn't have any issues with the car that I can think of. And yeah, logistically, flights, we didn't really miss any flights. Weather, we were super lucky with the weather. We had one dodgy day in Canada. But no, I mean, unbelievably, 12 months on the road around the world. And yeah, we didn't really encounter anything too horrific. The only thing was... Australia, we, we did a heat wave, which I think was 47 degrees Celsius. Mm, it's got a bit warmer now. That was, yeah, that was, now it's gotten a lot warmer. That was That's hot. That was oven hot. And, you know, people saying don't go outside type stuff. But no, it was, it was great. And we were very lucky in that sense. So you did this all in a 911T. Yes, 2018 911 T. Why, why a 911T? I mean, this could be an, an hour more from here. I mean, I know why. Yeah. <laughs> But like, why, why a 911T? Well, why not like a classic Mercedes or something? Yeah, or oh, an RS4, which was the front yeah. runner for a long time. I was very aware of, I was doing it for social media. Yeah. The car had to work uniformly on all platforms to all people. And it had to be a car that people would see not knowing who I was, either on social media or in the public and go, oh, that's cool. And once you start looking at stuff which is actually reliable and usable, it's stuff that people don't care about. You know, so yeah. when I was there looking at F-Pace SVR or, as I say, RS4, people don't care. You no. drive past in those cars. And Might as well do it in a van. Literally. And so I realised that, you know, I, I couldn't be that practical. But, you know, I am a middle-class British <laughs> man with, a, you know, strong sensibility, whatever the word is. I, I didn't want to go that extreme. So, you know, when you start thinking about, why don't you take your Ferrari 360? No. I just wasn't, I needed something still usable. At which point you very quickly narrow down to Porsche. That's it. I mean, you know, 911, it, in terms of a car that you can use in every capacity, it, that's it. And also I knew if I did it right, it would work on social media. Take a bog standard Carrera S and GT Silver. Fine, people aren't going to care. But you spruce it up enough, you do enough to it, you're going to get attention and it's going to work. And people won't really be offended by it. So the Carrera T was because, firstly, affordability. Mm -hmm. uh, it was sort of on the money, which was sub 100K. It had an intriguing story to it, like why, what the T was back in the yeah. day. It had no rear seats, which meant I could fit some extra luggage in there. Yeah. And you could put the factory roof rack on, which you can't in a GT product, or okay. the latest GT products. So I just preferred it over a standard Carrera because I just, I thought it was a bit it's different. It's got a bit more something, story of Something sorts. to it, yeah. It was appropriate. Um, and yeah, turned out to be absolutely perfect. So how many miles have you, has it done now? 30,801. I know that because I did the one this morning. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a lot less than I was expecting. My my finance agreement, my insurance, a lot of the sort of initial negotiating was all done around 50 or 60,000 yeah. miles. So I'm not quite sure I got that so wrong. Maybe that's kilometres. Maybe that's what I calculated by mistake. So yeah, weirdly less than I thought, but that was still something like, I think, 23 countries driven or 24 countries driven and nine months on the mm. road consecutively. So, but you know, we didn't do a lot of dither-dathering. It was very much an A to B car. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a lot for a modern 911, but I think the market it's will eventually lot, though, catch really? up. No, in the grand scheme of things, I think in two years' time, you'll find a lot of 991.2s at around 25,000 yeah, miles. Totally. So it's only a lot because it's a year-old car, but it will even out. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> like in one year, 
That sounds like a lot. Spread over two, it's not a lot at yes, all. Yes, suddenly. I mean, you know, there's plenty of cars on the market already at the at the nine, eight, nine thousand mile mark over yeah. a year. So, you know, they, people use 911s. That was another reason why I thought went for it you know people aren't yeah, afraid to put, ferrari you know. oh yeah yeah no uh, ff was in consideration at one point and whether <laughs> i was going to make it around the world was the first question and then secondly it will be worth zero pounds when i go yeah, back yeah. so you know <laughs> take your diesel generator in the back for the trickle yeah, charger oh my god don't even start <laughs> so onwards from that we recently saw you on the snow tour on the snow tour good old team and you were in another tour car a new acquisition yes a citroen c4 wrc sort of replica recreation type i don't know what you would sort of call it because it's effectively a replica but it's also not because the mechanical work is really not that impressive but it's sort of more than a i don't know i i, I never know how to refer to it but it is a 2006 citroen c4 that's been made to look like yeah. a wrc car um, it's more than stickers less than full conversion there we go so it's a weird in the middle of and it came about because two years ago i went oh i joined snow tour a little bit late in the day didn't have time to organize a cool car got shafted by mazda who i thought we were going with mx5 they mm. gave me something called a cx5 they hooked you up man what are you talking about <laughs> hey actually was brilliant super comfy heated seats anyway everyone took the piss out of me so this year when I thought, okay, that'll be my return from my hiatus. I'm going to do snow tour. What a cool way to kickstart 2020. What car? Don't want to take the 911 because I've done it, as in I've driven it everywhere, so I don't need to take it to the snow. Don't want to take the 360. Why don't I get like an Evo or an Impreza, put some stickers on it. It will look cool in the snow. Yeah. It will look great and you can probably get them sub 5K and you'll, you'll have a good time. So as I'm searching on eBay, I type in like Evo Rally yeah. and up comes the C4 <laughs> thing. And I just went, oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I need to do it. Went and met a very nice guy called Steve in Birmingham, built it and needed to sell it because he was trying to get a mortgage. And I was like, I'm going to take this car. <laughs> and it was brilliant. I mean, it was, it was perfect, hilarious. I loved every second. It was, I mean, it was unbearable at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it looked pretty loud awful and at times. Ratty but... and yeah, my uh, co-driver found his way into other people's cars <laughs> way too often. But no, he was what I wanted to do that trip in and uh, had the effect that I was going for. So very happy. I think it's a perfect example of doing a road trip in something that's not easy. Like, yes, it should start and run and do all the stuff, but it's not, you know, you stripped it out. It's bloody loud inside. Like all Super of the things, uncomfortable, uncomfortable suspension that's too stiff, all of these things. Looked great. <laughs> During the, it looked amazing with that livery on in the snow. It looked mega. But like you will have, will have memories from that trip. So many more than in the Mazda SUV yeah. that you did last time. Yeah. And I, I, in the previous snow tours, we've done it in a few vehicles now and, still my favorite has been when i took my old 911 mm-hmm. because there's that slight element when you start it every day of like this may not work yeah. and also like this shouldn't be here yes. and i may die and all of these things so every even just driving five minutes down the road is an adventure whereas if you do it in a, a rs6 someone guy brought an rs6 you know it's going to start you know it's going to do all the stuff like the Bentley we had, had all this crazy tracking system, cruise control, blah, 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 blah. You can monster six hours. You can't in these cars. Yeah. And you'll remember 
Every drive is a is a is a is a moment or is a yeah is is a memory and an experience and and that was kind of and that is my principle for this year. You know, I, in that video, I kind of announced that my motto for twenty twenty is, is sort of go big or go home because I think you know that's exactly it. I I could have probably called a lot of different companies and tried to borrow a press car for snow tour and maybe done it in something quite cool. Yeah. And, hey, look, I was super jealous of your Bentley. I think it was amazing <laughs> and I would have loved to been in it. But I should have thought well hold on a sec, why? Like, like let's, let's do something cool here. Let's do something different and have a bit of fun with it. And as much as for me as an experience, but also for the audience, because I think people sometimes think of that. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to like go and, go and buy something and take it, take it on a road trip? Like that was the Top Gear that I used to love. Yeah. Those little challenges and silly bits and bobs. And, and so, yes, financial commitment from my side, risk and reward, et cetera, et cetera, but actually achieved everything I wanted it to achieve and super happy now that I've got the car, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, honestly, so I'm done. calling like all these different mechanics being like, can you turn this in? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, oh God. So I'm desperately seeing if I can at least do something to it. But the problem is, right, if I put a roll cage in there and a fire suppression kit and proper suspension and blah, 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 it's then not a road car that someone could go and buy for 10 grand no. and have fun with. The beauty of that car right now is it's relatively affordable and a huge amount of fun. Yeah. If I turn it into an actual rally car, Don't mess with it's it. a completely different, you know, proposition. And you would probably start with a different car, do a different thing, blah, 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 blah. So that's where I've got to. I, mean, I did a video saying like, you know, my plan is to investigate this. And mm. if it's not possible, cut, cut my wings and fly. And if anyone's anyway. interested. Well, yeah, so, so basically I've got to the point where I think I would have more fun getting rid of it and starting afresh. Yeah. And I've actually got a meeting straight after this with a guy that the new, op- you know, the replacement would be so stratospherically, ridiculously, amazingly fun. Yeah. That I think that's probably the route I'll go is pass that C4 on as it is to someone to have as much fun as I did. Yeah. Rather than turn into something that less people would enjoy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be one cool video of like, I turned the C4 into a rally car and then what am I going to do? So we'll see. Watch this space. I did, I did a garage update two weeks ago. Everything I said in that garage update has now gone out the window. <laughs> I, didn't know, I, I was so convinced. I was like, I'm selling the 911, the C4 staying. Two weeks later, the 911 staying, the C4's going. I'm a mess. But anyway, life goes on. That's, well, that's what happens, isn't it? The, hey, the yeah. life of... we were t- <laughs> Sam, when he came in, I, I was wondering, I don't know, I, w- I don't know why, I was wondering if you were a music person, but part of me was like, no, nah, I don't think he's a music person at all. And then he's like asking me quite specific questions about the guitar that's on the wall downstairs. And I was saying, it's weird because I have five cars at the moment, something like that. And that, that's, that's when you know you've got too many when you're like, five How question many? mark? But the guitar downstairs is, is a custom shop Fender Strat for people that are interested in that sort of oh, thing yeah. it's like a 62 but i racked my brain for like 10 years about buying a new guitar and was like no you don't need it you don't need it whereas i'll go into the racetrack and i'll literally burn pretty much the price of a new guitar in tires in a day and like we have these weird compartments of your brain completely to justify expenses on one things to the other day in day out like these things change and i'm totally now in the mindset of i want to chop in everything like i sold two guitars was it no a guitar and an amp and bought that guitar and then i think got rid of something else and bought an amp instead and i enjoy using that all the time but with cars you're like getting rid of them is really hard Mm. they're not easy they're definitely expensive and you're like if you could just go like click your fingers same with property actually houses if houses were like 
a watch, for example, and you could just be like, do you want it? There, you go. Can I have your one? Yeah, sweet. But the stuff involved in changing, cars are a bit easier than houses. Houses are just like, oh, you get hit with savage fees. Oh. So you just never change. No, it's and just hell. You need to remember these trips. Like I was going on a road trip, the snow tour or whatever. A road trip in maybe like a cheap car or a rental car or whatever. And you get back and you will remember that forever. Whereas just keeping something that you quite like but don't use for a long time what are you gaining out of that like it costs you loads of money it'd be better like i think this is why car throttle is so good at the moment mm-hmm. they just buy like crap crap <laughs> they just buy crap yeah yeah but they, it's all the sort of things that you'd sit around too like guys should we buy a subaru for like two grand like make it look like a rally car and then just literally just drive it like we stole it worst case scenario there was four of us into it 500 quid each like great day out like great week i think when Cars became, dare I say, affordable through finance, through people making money as you get older. You dream, right? As a 15-year-old, you're like, I want a Ferrari! And you work, you bust off and you work as hard as you can and one day some very kind man from uh, Magnitude Finance, hashtag, (laughs) uh, says, wow, Sam, the bank are actually going to lend you the money and you can afford it. You go, this is my dream, done. But so quickly once you've done that three or four times you actually go oh this is a you know it's a, it's a lot and these cars are maybe not i don't have as much sentimental connection to them as i kind of thought and you know when i said originally that i was going to sell the 911 which now i'm not sure i'm going to people were like how can you get rid of that like the connection you i'm like those memories aren't going anywhere yeah i've got the photos i've got the videos like i'm like touch wood not losing my my mind just yet i don't need the car to go ah oh, that's the car I drove yeah, around yeah, the world. Yeah. So in that sense, there are so many brilliant cars and awful cars out there for a tiny amount of the value of some of the stupid stuff that we have bought over the years that can give you as much excitement or entertainment. And, you know, I'm I'm Mr. Anti-Supercar at the moment. Don't get me wrong. If I won the Euro Millions, I'd be going out there, I'd be buying LaFerraris and 250 short wheelbases and whatever. But... On a day-to-day level, if would I was you? to get... Yeah, yeah, I would. I would. I'd buy it all. Every Ferrari. I think I probably would. But, yeah. but Euro Millions, how much is Euro Millions? 110 the other day. Yeah, so you're not buying very many of these cars. No, no, I'd buy one. <laughs> 250 short wheelbase. High mileage. Um, so, you know, that's something I laughed about the other day. Everyone gets so caught up in these mileages of cars. Have you ever heard of someone saying, oh, you know, I've got a 275 GTB, and you go, oh, how many miles? Yeah. It just doesn't happen, does it? 250 GTO going up for auction, but it's 90,000 miles on the some clock. Some cars still like ferraris specifically like people seem to care i think that yeah they do but that i think that's just so weird isn't it i mean it depends what your uh, it's weird. intentions are agreed it's um weird. but yeah i'm all for my thing right now is like the 20 to 50 grand mark mm. still big money still big 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 money but that's the sweet spot for me you know gen 1 audi rs4 yeah you know like the freaking proper boxy ones i was looking at the other day c43 amg like the the original yeah really boxy one 1999 something like that i'm talking about a lot of like german wagons but <laughs> but you know like those kind of things i think are a lot of fun and and more interesting because it's the kind of stuff that we can all oh like let's get that blah blah rather than oh shall we go and finance another because this is the this is the the conversations that i feel like i have with friends around the table a lot it's not are you going to buy the next GT3? Yeah. I mean, basically because you can't. Have and you also because they're like, there? we're all looking at all these new cars. For example, 992 GT3, right? Yeah. This should, amongst a bunch of the people that we all know who've owned GT3s, had RSs, whatever, this should be a car that we're all like, I really want this when it comes out. 
but pretty much everyone I think has gone it's going to be bigger mm-hmm. wider heavier softer quicker <laughs> but less entertaining mm. than the older cars well, that's not very interesting whereas I've for a, a long time in the back of my own gone like maybe I should get like a 2015 S-Class Coupe <laughs> What a whip! Like I mean, thirty grand, I'm and then so daily weird. that, and you're like, oh, be, it'd be a boss. It. That car was like 110 new. Yep. It's now 30. So good. Rather than we're looking at all these cars, they were like, they were 95 new. Now they're 130. Yeah. Like what? 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 Mate, it's it, that's exactly where it's at, and it's and it's cars that we lusted after 10 years ago, five, 10 years ago, yeah. and, and they're still cool and they're still great. And it's there's definitely a, an area here for exploitation. I think on a personal level, interesting on the social media side of it. Uh, Cause you know, you can fall into very niche holes very quickly where you get yeah. like a kick out of a car that no one else ever knew about. But I think on a personal level, you're going to see it more and more, especially as everything, you know, starts to go autonomous and electrified. People are going to yeah, jump onto these, you know, experiences that we're not all going to be able to have for that long. And so, yeah, that C4 snow tour was, was literally that of like, okay, I want to go and do X, Y, and Z. Screw it. I'm going to fly to Japan and buy a freaking God knows what Civic yeah. and drive it to Mount Fuji. And then I'll get back and I'll try and sell it. And, yeah. you know, rather, rather than getting there and calling up Ferrari, which is what I did, and getting a Portofino, which was great and I had a lovely time. And don't get me wrong, I love being in a Portofino. But it wasn't quite the same as to whether, hey, do you remember that time we bought yeah. the X, Y, and Z? So, hey, you need a bit of money to be able to do it, but it, it can be a lot of fun. And, you know, as the car throttle guys, Bridge, you don't, you don't actually have to spend yeah, much good point. money. And we buy, you know, you get pushed into buying, not pushed, no one's, no one's actually making you do this, mm. but like society sort of at the moment, I feel because of finance, pushes people to buy cars they can't afford. Well, like, you know, they can technically afford, they can afford the monthly payments and stuff. And I definitely, when I was younger, was like, right, kind of on the limit. And luckily, you know, growing up, earning more money, it's, it's sort of okay. But I would now have realized after having my old 911, like a specific thing about that is it's been modified and it's been messed with. So like you're not damaging anything original Mm. if you change anything, but also literally if you damage it, you're not damaging anything original. It's a bumper's 500 quid. Sure. Not 5,000. Yeah. yeah, Not 10,000. Refreshing. And there is a price point and like a pain level. I think everyone has one, whether it's, a hundred pounds that and that's you're like if i spend a hundred pounds in a car i don't care about it i can like chuck stuff in the back it gets scratched whatever it's fine or for some people that might be their la ferrari aperta and they just sure. give zero so, yeah, shits yeah. about yeah. it but <laughs> each person has this sort of level where they're comfortable they've finance makes it difficult because you spend money you don't have yet but if everyone was a cash buyer and you're like okay i have x amount of money to spend on a car and once I spent that on the car, it, like most consumer stuff, you just accept that you've spent that money. And then you can do whatever you like with that vehicle. Someone says, do you want to take it on track? You're like, yeah, whatever. I'll give it a go. Like, okay, I don't want to bin it, but like, I'll give it a go. Do you want to go and drive to Sweden and whatever? Yeah. And you you say yes yeah, to yeah. more stuff rather than like, oh, I might have to put it on a truck because of the mileage of and course. the finance and like, actually, I can't afford to put any fuel in it and all of these things. Like having the stuff, if you don't use it, whether Pointless. it's a m- musical instruments, huge one, like, like people buy really expensive instruments and then don't are worried them. about using them. Like <laughs> yeah. what? It's designed to be used, like yeah. cars. Like, well, they're that's designed exactly to be, smoke the tires, all this stuff. If you're worried about it, 
it's too expensive. Yeah, you're you're so right. Yeah, if you're if you're ter- always thinking about the resale price, you're you're in trouble. But you know, it, it's it's tough because a lot of the times I think it's super attractive when someone says, "Sure, oh, you can get into this RS3 for four hundred quid a month or yeah. whatever that," and you're like, "Oh my god, I can afford that. That's that's bloody brilliant." And it's the way of the world, you know. Finances everywhere. You go into Curry's nowadays, and they offer you a TV yeah. for free for two years, and you know, so that's a cultural thing for sure. And I am definitely still to blame, and I think a lot of us social media people for pushing finance. Yeah. But I've always tried to say, like, look. It's you need to be able to afford it, and you need to be able to afford it when it goes wrong. But it is a great way to be able to get into cars that you couldn't afford cash, maybe, yeah. and to experience. But just be careful and think about it. It's not about working your butt off to get to the five hundred quid a month for that yeah. car you want. It's about working your butt off and then rewarding yourself when you can afford to, um, whether that's via monthlies or cash, blah, blah. You know, there's lots of ways to go and buy a yeah. car, but I'm so with you where if you're constantly terrified about using something, it's probably because you can't really afford it or you can't afford to yeah. get out of it at the other end. And the Carrera T is a perfect example of that where I bought that car knowing that it was going to be worth very little when I got back. Yeah. And it was just the gamble, the risk that I had to take. I mean, I drilled holes in the bumper the, the, yeah, the day yeah. I collected it. So I was going a bit of extreme with that. But I knew that there was an, a loss to be made there and I knew I could cover that loss. Yeah. And right now sitting here, if I was to sell the car, I probably would be in debt on the finance. But I purposely put that money aside. I've got that money yeah, sitting yeah. there to cover that loss. But I'm also like, well why am I selling it to then just replace it with the same shit? You know that's what I mean? Always, that's a super valid question where you're like, oh, should I get the the Dot 2 version of the same car? No. No. Well, the, and, and so I, that's why I've kind of leaned towards this, well, why am I just not keeping it? Because I was sitting there going, right, I'll get rid of that car and then uh, let's see, could I get a, a used FF for under 100 yeah. grand or could I get a, a 996 GT3? And I'm like, hold on a sec. Like these all do the same job that the Carrera T is doing, yeah. and I've already got that. So why not just stick on? Like cost hold on to, to change it. is is high. Cost to change is high, and what's the reward? And so that's kind of where I'm at. Of like, I get to borrow cool cars, I get to drive cool cars. I've got a Carrera T that I really like that you know has been really really good to me. I can still get some use out of, and and also because it's done thirty thousand miles, I'm not worried about putting more on it. Yeah, that's yeah. the other beauty of it. Like, you know, that car's been through hell and survived. So I'm not sitting there being like, oh God, I don't know what to do. Whilst, you know, it might not be the same way with whatever I change it for. So that's kind of why I'm leaning in that in that direction. And then I've definitely done it where you you end up buying different cars sort of for different things because you're like, okay, well I've got this special car, but I I don't want to drive that too much. So I'll buy this other car to drive daily. But you want like a slightly nice daily. So you buy a nice daily. But the net result is a lot more than just driving that one car. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, you can always do the man maths, right? You can always make an excuse as to why you should have another car. But at the end of the day, we only need one. <laughs> and and it's, it's even if you, you know, you have your 911T, if you had no, no other cars rather than, you have to spend very, very little on a car for it to be cheap and long-term. If you have to smash 50,000 miles and you just get a just diesel something for five grand or whatever, okay, that that 100%. Sure. But if that second car is a new RS4, mm-hmm. like... <laughs> what? <laughs> just, so drive right. the, just drive yeah. the 911. Like, yeah. It's never going to depreciate no. faster than the new RS4. Yeah, it's just going to absolutely crap a brick. But... And I have a, lo- a lot of sort of respect for the people... That you, you see, they turn up in something that's like a bit ridiculous, right? like a 570S or 720S yeah. or FF or whatever. And you're like, oh, so do you know, this is my car. <laughs> I'm like, 
oh, that's, oh. that's actually really smart. Yeah. And you get to drive oh, around in this you're brilliant. every day. Yeah. Well like, done. Damn. You're fantastic. <laughs> but I'm saving mine for the special days. Yeah. <laughs> to get a real kick out of it and the resale value. <laughs> By the way, that was my next meeting, unfortunately, texting me, reminding me that I'm about to be late. So okay. well, uh, we sorry, can, to, uh, sorry to put, curtail the final few points, but... Yeah, throw throw me your throw me your questions, but with them I probably need to. Okay, well I've them. got five questions. Oh, smashing! To wrap it up, I love it. I love a good five questions. Okay, see how quickly we it's get. Me through pretending them. to be. Do a, you have a most man. memorable driving trip or journey? <laughs> lol, around the world. Um, uh, yeah, lol. Uh, yeah, or, or any one. of those road trips down to Monaco. The, I think almost the first time I did that drive down to Monaco, I, I've I've fallen in love with Monaco as a place. Yeah. And over the years, as seen through glass, we've done plenty of road trips to Monaco. It's become a kind of theme. And the the very first one was in the 4C. I, I just, yeah, I still enjoy that. It's a horrible drive. It's 12 hours mm. through the middle of France when nothing's going on, but I still enjoy it. Good. Yeah. It's, it's, the, ones, it's the ones with, just with the good mates. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, next question. Five car garage, go. Boom. Unlimited, unlimited value has to fit into your life. Uh, 250 short wheelbase. Um, Challenge Stradale. Uh, daily? Obviously one of those could be your daily. But. Uh, Bentley Continental GT. Yeah. Uh, V8, W12. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I actually don't really mind. Uh, W12 with the Aquapovich exhaust. Five car garage. Something, something, something. Race car? Would you have a race car? Uh, of interest? Yeah, Formula One car done. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. And then like a, like what? I need like a big SUV, like off, like, I, I don't know what. Off-road. Do I need yeah, that? Whatever. Yeah. I don't really know why I need that, but. Things people have, uh, well, your Bentley would do quite a lot of the stuff. I, I don't really have a family need. car there, do I? So maybe I'd get like a my back. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> why not? Boom. Just a, yeah. Five car garage. Done. Okay. If you can only drive one car for the rest of your life and you're allowed like a 500 pound beater for luggage or whatever. So one car for the rest of your life, what would it be? My Ferrari 360. Nice. Genuinely. That's good. Yeah. Just because of the connection, what it means. Yeah, great, yeah. Very fun to drive. See if you feel the same in six months' time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. What do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment? What's banging value? I still think a Cayman R is kind of... I think maybe they're a little bit overpriced. I don't know. They're like You can get them like 35 or 40. And I think it's like just people forget about the Cayman R's, like pre-GT4 is a cool little car. So cool that's... Car. Su- surprisingly expensive. I, I looked at this recently because oh, I thought okay. maybe I'd go on as a track car, but yeah, like 35, 40 grand. Whereas it was like an S. Yeah. It was like 20. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So yeah, maybe, maybe a bit pricey. It's probably not good value. But a little bit rare. What else? I said to something else. I was like, wow, they're still so cheap. I mean, there's plenty of things that you can get into relatively good money, but it depends what you're after. Hey, Citroen C4 WRC. Uh, <laughs> they are. They are great value these days. Oh. That car, price per, like, pound per social media like. Oh, you'd be winning. <laughs> you could start a whole account just based on that car and you'd be flying. Okay, final question. What's the most interesting car to you at the moment? What do you find yourself Googling, looking up? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Well, I can tell you, actually. Let's bring up my YouTube history. See what I... See <laughs> my what search I, history. Yeah, yeah, my search history. Because, you know, I, I do tend to browse quite a lot. Is YouTube um, your search Yeah, platform? yeah. Because I, um, I think that's where I tend to, tend to go to then see what a car's really like, mm. like on the road. Okay, so the new F-Type I'm intrigued by. So I watched quite a few of yeah. those videos. And going back a lot of my, a lot of my own videos, that's embarrassing. Myself. Yeah, my, <laughs> just watching myself. 
and a lot of real tat. Oh, you know what I was looking at? Because uh, I like the idea of like homologation cars and racy road cars. So I was looking back at like GT12 and GT8 Aston Martin Vantages. Right, okay. Because I was just like intrigued by them. Like obviously at the time when they came out, there was a lot of noise about them, but now it's all gone a bit quiet. Literally loud volume. A lot of loud volume. And I was just like, you know, oh, okay, it's an intriguing prospect. The GT12 more so than the GT8 is that gearbox of a dog probably so loud and you don't really see them on the road when they came no. out there were tons in london you see them all the time and now you don't really see them so yeah i'll, I'll put that down as a car i'm, I'm intrigued by it's quite interesting fair enough yeah, I, I, I still slightly lust after a v12 vantage yeah. convertible manual so cool i think right? that would just be really cool they still look great and yeah it's a cool thing to drive and sound it's probably like feels like old school yeah. whether that's good or bad amazing but, noise yeah amazing noise looks baller as hell like that's the problem with and we can wrap up very quickly in a minute, but like all the new supercars, they seem to be, they all sound worse. They're all pretty much the same, but not, you know, okay, yes, they're different, yeah, no. but like they're the same. Yeah. And then manufacturers are coming out and I'm sure they do not want to do it, but because of legislation or whatever, like Aston Martin and that's, you know, we're going to have a, a V6 hybrid and like all this other stuff. And you're like, mm, yeah, but no one's going to spend no one a quarter of a million pounds on a V6 hybrid. <laughs> They do not care. No one cares. Definitely it's not, not going to yeah. spend two million pounds on something with an engine like that. Yeah. Or a Lotus like, Vibe. Snow Tour, <laughs> old Ford GT. Oh, the best thing ever, right? New I mean, Ford GT, not interested. Yeah, old Ford GT. I literally, that's one car I've been looking at a lot actually on Auto Trader. Yeah, yeah, old Ford GT. Something that thing like, so cool. Just look at it. And you're like, oh man, this is actually really damn cool. A lot of it is down to how the owner drove it. Yes, of course, makes it very desirable. But also but very cool. Still, still cool. Because actually, if you, you have you driven one. No. It's effectively a, a low, wide Mustang. It's so easy to drive. Like, it's the most... That's what made it hilarious the way he was driving it because when I drove it for the first time, I couldn't believe how easy it was. The yeah. gearbox is silky smooth. Like, everything about it is like a GT car. Yeah. And then it just goes really, really fast. Yeah, and yeah. makes the most unbelievable noise. That one did indeed. That was good. <laughs> right, well... Sorry to cut you short. That's all right. Yeah. I don't know how long we are. It's pretty, no idea. It wasn't like, that short. Uh, I know. 45 minutes. It really wasn't, actually. But yeah. <laughs> Someone's very cross. I've been getting a lot of messages being like, where are you? So well, uh, I should probably sugar Thanks. Off. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And everyone check out Sam's stuff. Ciao. Please do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.